1: Welcome to episode 22 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Thank you for joining me again today when I get to speak with Tara, Alec's mom. Alec and Andy actually had quite a bit in common in their lives. They were both excited kids with lots of personality and lots of energy. They both loved sports, although as you will hear, Alec was quite a bit better at sports than Andy was. They did have one major difference in that they were quite a different size. Alec was a lot bigger than Andy. In addition to their similarities in life, there were also similarities in their deaths as well. Both were killed tragically and suddenly. Andy the summer after his eighth grade year and Alec during the fall of his eighth grade year. Andy, of course, was killed when our car was hit by another car, while Alec was killed when he was hit by a car while walking to school. Alec died just this past fall. So Tara and her family are still very early in their grief process. And in this horrible journey that they're going through with the legal system as well. Although she may not agree with me, I was amazingly impressed at the amount of strength that she seems to have already. She is much stronger than I ever was that early in my grief. I hope that you enjoy learning more about this amazing kid Alec through his equally amazing mother Tara. Thank you so much Tara for agreeing to come on the show today. I really appreciate it.
2: I'm I'm uh, really excited to be here and to talk about Alec and to get to know you a little bit better, too.
1: Yeah. I can't wait for you to tell people about Alec because I feel like I learned a little bit about him just from us me- messaging back and forth. And he just sounds like he was an amazing kid. So why don't you just tell everyone all about
2: him? Okay. Well, you know, Alec was, um, from the time he was a little kid... He was just super energetic and um, really would really focus on certain things. And when I was thinking about things that I wanted to tell you about, I was thinking about when he was a baby, I mean, before he could even walk, he had this fascination with trucks and with keys. And so he, our keys would go missing all the time and he would find them and we'd find him taking a nap with... You know, with our car keys kept <laughs> in his hand while he was asleep and he would Aww. sneak out of the house to go sit in. Um, we had his grandpa had a little Datsun truck and he loved to sit in that truck. So when he got to be a toddler, he would go outside and was always climbing up in the truck to sit in the truck. So he loved that. And, we got a little bit older. He, we had uh, had a, um, an old, a really old Ford tractor and he would sneak out of the house to go sit on the Ford tractor. And, uh, yeah, just really. And he would find these things that he loved and he would just focus on them uh, and just mm-hmm. this crazy focus that he had. Um, so yeah, when he was a, a little kid, those were his things. And, um, when he got a little bit older, he started really getting into sports Mm-hmm. and, um, he tried baseball, but baseball wasn't his thing. He, you know, when they're really little, they do T-ball. Right. And, yeah. um, and he wanted to slide into every base and his coaches told him he couldn't. And he was like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Cause he's just sort of this rough and tumble kid, you know? So his, mm-hmm. his sports ended up being, um, wrestling and football. And okay. he started both of those sports when he was, um, six. Um, and so <sighs> football came first. He, he played football for the first year when he actually turned six during the season.
0: Mm-hmm. And Wow.
2: For, he was little. He was little. And for a little kid, like we didn't really know what to expect. Um, mm-hmm. and when, <laughs> when we went after the very first day, we came home and we lived out in the country and and he went outside after practice and we were like, what's he doing? Well, he had on his equipment and he was tackling trees. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, he just, he loved it from the get go. And then, um, one of the, one of the uh, football coaches after the season, uh, did wrestling. And he, he told us we should bring Alec to wrestling and, um, And wrestling is really hard, and I would say he didn't take to wrestling as as easily and as quickly as he did to football, but over time, it became um, definitely a passion for him. So he, um, over the years, he went to um, the California State Tournament many times, and the last time he went was in June, um, last summer in 2019, and he plays sports um, for in this, in the state of California for a middle school. Days. Wow, yeah. So wow, not only was he really into it, but he was really talented at it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and he had on his desk in his room when he died. He had um, he was working with um, uh, a an, a guy who we talked to on the phone who was um, a wrestling coach who just worked with him on his mindset with regards to wrestling. I think there's this Mm -hmm. thing about wrestling that's so it's so hard because you either win or lose and it's all on your shoulders. Right. So going into it with the right mindset is so important. And so anyhow, Mm -hmm. he had set goals with this coach. And he had them written down, um, on his desk and they're still there on his desk. And, you know, his goal for this year was it's his, it was his eighth grade year and he really wanted to win state this year. So that's what he was working Mm -hmm. on. And he was, he was eating right. And, and when I say eating right, you know, he's a 13 year old kid, he's planning his meals. He's, you know, um, Eating broccoli and chicken for for lunch every day, and um, you know, cooking his chicken before you know on the meal prepping on Sundays, cooking his chicken and um, just super dedicated and working you, you out. You got to
1: tell them how much he he w- eat. Oh I my mean, gosh. how much
2: he was eat! It was crazy. <laughs> it is, cr- yeah. Um, so one of his favorite breakfasts was um, scrambled eggs with spinach, and he would eat. Um, he would his routine for scrambled eggs and spinach was two cups of spinach with eight scrambled eggs. (laughs) And then after he ate that, he would eat a bowl of um, maple flavored like oatmeal or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, all of that in one sitting before before he left for school. And he would swear that he was starving before lunchtime at school. (laughs) Yeah, he just ate and ate and ate but I think it's because he was so active, you know, he would work out in the mornings. He would work out after school. Then he would go to wrestling practice. It was just, yeah, he was a crazy um, athletic kid. Definitely. And he was a big kid too. Yeah. Yeah. He was really big. I don't, I don't think he was done growing. He was five ten, and and um, he wore a size 14 shoe and yeah, he was just a big kid. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. In fact, we, um, the day he died, he lived a while um, after the crash um, that he was in. And at, at the hospital, we were able to take um, all of our handprints. Um, and his hand was by oh. far bigger than all of ours. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: That's cool that you got to do that. It
2: is cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. I.
1: I it, it was funny because we talked a little bit about um, how... Andy and Alec seemed to have a lot of similarities, but one thing that was not similar was their size (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. Andy was, you know, four, nine and 14 years old. And all he wanted to do was get to be as big as Alec was. And he was younger yet. So,
2: Mm -hmm. yeah, Alec, actually, one of his really close friends um, was a lot smaller than him. So I think it's just the age, right? Some boys are still small at that age and some boys have gotten really tall already.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. My son Peter is 13 now and he will joke that, you know, he's in eighth grade and that other people will say he's in fourth grade or (laughs) fifth grade. He's like totally fine with that. He understands like. I know I look really young that's just the way it is so it's not doesn't bother him at all
2: and I'm sure Alec would have been the other way I mean people probably thought he was older than he was he was (laughs) his whole life yeah in fact when he was younger and he was wrestling because he was so much bigger he had to wrestle kids that were older because there was no one his age in his Mm -hmm. weight class to wrestle right so I actually think that's part of why he got got to be as good as he was because he was wrestling kids that were much more experienced than him most of the time that he was growing up.
1: Yeah. It just forced him to be better faster. Yeah. Yeah. I always talk to parents, you know, as a pediatrician about how I feel bad for the ones that are big Because Mm -hmm. they, you know, the other people, their expectations are that they're older than that and that they should be doing more or being more well behaved or something like that I said with my kids my kids are always so tiny that they always came off as being amazing <laughs> because they always thought wow he can do that at his age like well actually he's a lot older than you think he
2: is so it's
1: not really that impressive
2: yeah poor Alec definitely got that uh yeah. people thought he was older and and we were like well you know he's actually a little bit immature for his age and you're like you're aging him way older older than he is. So <laughs> right. It's like really right. I rack. always feel yeah. like
1: that's a bad the bad rap that yeah. tall kids get dealt a little bit. Yeah. So um why don't we now just move on a little bit into what happened with Alec.
2: Okay. Um so um on October 27th of 2019, um, Alec was walking to school. We just talked about the fact that he was a really physical kid and We live a mile from the school and he really loved walking to school. It sort of set his day on the right tone for him. Um, And so he's walking to school. The school is actually on the same street where we live and Country Road. um, And um, one of of his schoolmates' mothers um, um, hit him um, when he was about halfway to school and um yeah so uh, my husband and i were both um had left for work about 40 minutes before so we were both already at work um and it's nobody actually called us um we have a security camera at the front door and someone came and was like frantically at the front door And so um, my husband called me, he saw that and he called me and I called the school and asked um, if Alec had gotten to school and they said, no, that he had been hit by a car. And um, so the school told you. Yeah. And they didn't really have any, they really didn't have any details. They just said, you know, somebody said he was hit by a car and that he was being taken to the hospital. That's all we knew. And we actually never got a phone call aside from that which was probably just a few minutes after it happened. We never got a call from anybody else. So we didn't really know anything. So we, we both left work and went to the hospital, but we both worked sort of far away from the hospital. And so I had mm-hmm. called my, my brother and he went to the hospital and, and he was there before us. He wasn't able to see Alec. Lewis and I got there and we hadn't been able to see Alec. And they told us that he wasn't in very good shape and they were gonna have to transfer him to a trauma center and Mm -hmm. the helicopter was there and we could hear the helicopter and we still hadn't been able to see him. Um, And then we got to see him very briefly before they took him to the trauma center. Mm -hmm. We could tell when we saw him that he was in really, really bad shape. There's a lot I know about what happened now, but I didn't know it then. Mm -hmm. And these weird bits and pieces sort of came to us through the day. And I I distinctly remember, so we drove to the trauma center while he was being flown there. And Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember after we got to the trauma center and he was there also, and we were in the emergency room and they were getting ready to take him to have more scans done Mm -hmm. that there was a police detective there and she I didn't really know anything about what had happened at this point right other than he was hit by a car right the police detective said they caught the drunk driver and we were like what do you we didn't know at that point we didn't know so that was the point where we learned that he had been hit by a drunk driver
1: in the morning walking to school, which you just never, ever would
2: think. You would never, ever think, mm-hmm. you know, with a 13-year-old boy who's really active and how many things do you have to worry about? And I can tell you, I never once worried about him getting hit by a drunk driver on the way to school in the morning. I just didn't. No. And it, it turned out that it was the mother, uh, a mother of, of other kids at school, and she had her kids in the car with her. She fled the scene, but someone took a picture of her car when she was leaving, and so the police apprehended her and arrested her. And then the rest of the day, what happened was that Alec didn't have any blood flow to his brain, so he was yeah. he was brain dead, and they had a protocol at the hospital. I don't know if this is everywhere, but for children, they try to keep them alive for 36 hours before they officially say that they're brain dead. So he never regained consciousness, obviously, but he was going into heart failure also. And so we took him off of life support that evening and he passed away right away when he was taken off life support. So that's what happened to Alec.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Such a horrible story.
2: It is, it really is. Um, And I think in some of your podcasts, you've talked about your anger and uh, I'm- I'm right there. Um, I mean, I'm angry about the loss of my son, but I'm so angry about the circumstances of Mm -hmm. his death. It's just so, so irresponsible, you know, for someone to just, you know, for their enjoyment and to have a high, to, to take a kid's life. It's just, God, I can't even... Well, and and she was obviously putting her
1: own kids' lives at risk by driving them to school drunk. I mean, that's just not only the fact that she ended up hitting your son, which obviously she wouldn't have known that was going to happen, but you should have some insight to know that you are putting your own children at risk by doing that. Right. By getting behind the wheel of a car anyway. So, Right. Right. It's pretty awful. Yeah. And I know... We talked a little bit about how it's been so paralyzing to you to feel really stuck, like you can't leave your house in some ways. I know I I said to you, I felt a little bit of that. I looked up the woman, figured out who it was that hit us, and I knew where she lived. I knew what her address was, but she did live 15, 20 minutes away. So it wasn't like I could probably run into her, but yet every woman in her forties with shoulder length, straight white hair, I thought was her. I mean, I just did. Like if I go get my hair done and somebody walked in, I'd be like, is that her? Is that her? I'd have a second look all the time. So for you, you're in a smaller community, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so and what because, is,
2: yeah, because we're part of the same school community, and her children are still at Alex School, which is like I said, it's a 10 minute walk for it's right down the street, right? Yeah. It's very, very difficult. I, I definitely feel very excluded from the school community at this point because I feel so nervous about having to interact with her or her family at any school events. She's she's out on bail. Mm-hmm. the criminal proceedings, I'm sh- I've been told, could go on for years. Even going out in town, you know, I mean, I'm conscious of the fact that they're driving in front of our house to take their kids to school and it is it's very paralyzing. And and aside from just them, there's just this weird notoriety like we can't go out anywhere without having somebody stare or point or follow us around the grocery store. Or mm-hmm. it's, it's very weird and very difficult. In fact, we've been We've been going to the grocery store in other towns because it's just too much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's too much. It's very difficult. It's very difficult.
1: Oh, I completely understand that because we were on every news station all around. Everybody knew. And I just felt like I'm the same way. I go into Meijer and I get these looks. It was there a couple different looks. It was either the, oh, my word, there she is. What do I do? Like trying to want to avoid me. Or that, oh, feeling so sorry for me, look. I mean, I it just felt like I was on display constantly. And yes. I still kind of feel like that way at certain places. Like at church, I still feel like everyone's staring at me, trying to see what's she like, what what are things like, how is she doing today. And it's
2: it's hard. It's hard to be looked at that way and to live like that. It is definitely very hard Um, and even people who knew and loved Alec and have the best intentions at heart, you know, maybe it's somebody who he knew from wrestling or their parents and we haven't seen them since Alec passed away. And, and we see them, like there's an example I'm thinking of where we saw someone who was at a store and they were four people in front of us in line and they turned around and saw us and they started bawling. Yeah. And that's hard for it. Cause you see somebody else crying and you know why they're in You're then you get all emotional and you know, you're trying to not get emotional in random places in public. Right. And, in random places. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How big is your community? out of curiosity? Uh, You know, I think there's something like 60,000 people in Yuba City in California. And I think we're we're a little bit north of Sacramento. I think that it feels even smaller because we as the victims and the driver in the crash were are part of the same, you know, sort of smaller community of the school, right? Mm hmm. But also, we we had a celebration of life for Alec on his, what would have been his 14th birthday, and we did it wow. at we did it at the football field because I really felt strongly that I I wanted the kids to be able to celebrate Alec and to f- have fun and not have it be a morose event. So that's what we did, mm-hmm. and it was very big, and I was very impressed by how many people Alec knew from how many different places because when he was little we had been at a different school and then mm-hmm. it, he switched there in first to the current school he was at in first grade but he had been on the swim team and he had been on the wrestling team and he had been on with with two different football organizations and he knew because of the football teams and how they were organized he knew And he was in eighth grade. He knew a bunch of kids at the high school where both of those um, football programs had been. And he just knew so many people. And I would tell you, I would never have known that he knew as many people as he did. I just didn't know. And so it was Mm -hmm. this really big event um, in his memory, which was really nice. It was just, it was amazing how many people knew him. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's it's nice to feel that love to be able to feel how other people were affected by Alec and how he touched them really yeah mm-hmm. we so was that shortly after his death or was that a little bit later or it was two it was two that?
2: weeks after mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. two weeks after and we had a graveside. We didn't do a church funeral. We just did a graveside ceremony with, um, mm-hmm. with family, which we have a really big family. So that was pretty big for graveside, even so. And then we mm-hmm. did the big event at the, um, at the football field.
1: At the football field. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, that was nice to be able to do that. It was. It's hard. And... It's, it's hard to know what to do, right? You don't know what the right thing is. Because and... your mind is just not working. Not working at all. When it comes all. on so, so suddenly.
2: Still not working. So,
1: no, no, <laughs> yeah. no. Because it's still so early and so fresh, right? Yeah. yeah, So how have things been going with that, kind of that criminal part? You know, I know that that can seem to
2: kind of crawl along. Is that what your experience has been? Has it been frustrating yeah. to you or? It's been super frustrating, partly because we don't understand what's going on, partly because it doesn't seem fair that, you know, we let people out on bail for doing horrible things like this. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we're living through his birthday and my birthday and Thanksgiving and Christmas without him and the thought process of the person who, you know, was responsible for his death, being out with her family and celebrating Mm -hmm thanksgiving and her birthday and in christmas and her husband's birthday with her and family her kids
1: and yeah very mm-hmm. difficult it doesn't seem
2: fair does it not not in in the least not in the mm-hmm. least um yeah. and not i and i know you've covered this but the holidays were super hard yeah 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 you could talk about that too yeah so i mean i think it was hard like our normal sort of thing for Christmas is that we have, we have a huge extended family and either Mm -hmm. on Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve, we would invite everyone over. And last year, I want to say on Christmas Eve, we had over 50 people here and it was immediate family, like aunts, uncles, cousins, grandmas, grandpas, you know, and it's because I have, there's four kids in my family and there's seven kids in my husband's family. So You get immediate family and it just goes on and on and on. And, you know, and so our, our siblings have kids that are older and, um, and so they have kids too now and spouses and it's just this huge noisy group. And this year we just looked at everybody and we were like, we don't want to, we just just don't want to. And, and I think it was, um, you know, people in the family felt upset about us not all getting together and, it was just hard and we just wanted to survive.
1: <laughs> you know, we just wanted yeah. to get through it. Yeah, and you it just was hard. need to do what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. It's too it's just too hard to do that stuff. Did other family members still get together without you or did they not then?
2: I think it sort of broke down into a couple smaller gatherings and uh-huh. we chose to go to someone else's house that was having something on on the holidays and so I think it was Christmas Eve we went but we went somewhere close to home um, because we felt like if we didn't feel okay, that we could just sort of sneak out and come home, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of, we picked what was closest to, to home. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that's what we felt comfortable doing. And then on Christmas Day, we just stayed home. By, just mm-hmm. the, the, um, Alec has an older sister and the three of us just stayed home. My husband and I went to the cemetery on Christmas Day. Alex's sister didn't want to go. So it was just the two of us who went and we did that. And New Year's Eve, we we stayed home on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I don't know about
1: you, but I found New Year's that first year almost harder than Christmas. Just because I just did not want to have the last year that Andy lived to have 2018 be over and have to start a year without him. So that was a challenge for me.
2: Yeah, it definitely was. I also found that I wish that we could have figured out something to do because sitting around is not a good space for me. I spent a lot of time home over the holidays. I took off work, which I normally wouldn't have taken off as much time, but usually the kids would have been home a lot and I might have come home and worked half days or something and spent afternoons Mm -hmm. with them, but they would have been home by themselves a lot. And I didn't want Alex sister to be home by herself. Yeah. And so I took off a lot of time and spent it at home, but we didn't really feel up to doing anything either. And sitting around is bad for me.
1: Yeah, I know for us, uh, those first couple holidays, we ended up going to my friend Michelle's house who's, you know, lost her two sisters. And that was helpful because we couldn't, I couldn't really be around family. I just, it was too hard. It was just painful. And so in that way, we just went kind of, and were with somebody else's family, but somebody else's family who had understood pain and suffering and had to live through that in the past. So that's what we did, but it's hard to know what's right. It know. is hard
2: to know what's right. My,
1: mm-hmm. um, and I think there is no really no right or wrong way to handle the holidays and anniversaries and things, but just
2: have, to yeah, there's to definitely right. not. My, uh, my mother and father-in-law live with us too. And my mother-in-law took care of the kids when they were growing up while we were at work. So she, they're really close with the kids. And mm-hmm. my father-in-law has dementia. And so that's been a really difficult thing too, because he doesn't always remember what happened to Alec. Yeah. And so we've had to tell him multiple times, to- you know, and it's oh, really difficult. It's so hard. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that you have talked about is one of your goals with um, your podcast is to help people know what to do to help people who lose a child. Mm -hmm. And I had a few things that I wanted to share with you in that space. So for me, when people ask me, what do you need? I have no idea. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to tell people, you know, be patient and show up and just sit there. And if we seem cranky or upset, it's okay. You know, don't take it personally. Come back. (laughs) if We ask you to leave, leave and then come back. Just keep you know keep keeping on with us because it's really hard and you're right
1: you just don't know what you want I mean people say what do you need and or call me if you need something like Mm -hmm. and I will very politely say okay and in my mind I will say I will never call you Mm -hmm. I will never
2: call you Mm
1: -hmm. you know if you really want to be helpful you're going to have to pick up the phone and call me because I'm not going to call you
2: Yeah. Even asking when, when can we get together? I can't, I have a really hard time with making commitments. I don't know if I'm going to feel like it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to work. I don't know if I'm going to have an appointment with, you know, with, you know, somebody from the DA's office where I have to answer a question or a counselor, or I don't know, you know, so Mm -hmm. just call me and tell me, Hey, can I come over on Thursday at six? And I'll yes. say yes or no. And, and if I call you and say, I said yes, but now I say no, just, just roll with it, it. Exactly. Yeah. Like
1: I'm, I'm thinking about lunch on Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> you know, like something very, very specific
2: Yeah. Some, or yeah. just
1: walking up to your door and saying, how about going for a walk? You yeah. Know?
2: Yeah, definitely. Because mm-hmm. um, I can't make decisions and I can't figure out, you know, what comes next. Um, so I appreciate it when um, when people make it easy for me. In fact, one of our family friends just said, "Hey, let's go go to the movies at this time on this day," and we went. And you know, we had at that point mm-hmm. in time we hadn't even been out very much, and we were like, "Yeah, it sounds good. Let's go." So that was perfect. Some people did some really nice things for our daughter. And um, one of the things that that they did, sort of separate from all the things that were going on for Alex, somebody went around and asked for donations for some gift cards for Annalie. And mm-hmm. um, she just sort of was able to use those gift cards to go meander around Target. You know, things are tense and upsetting at home and I just want to get out of here and... You know, she could get in the car and go take those gift cards. And, you know, if one of her friends showed up, they could go to Target and each buy a matching sweater or, you know, it was just some retail therapy and she didn't have to worry about it. And it gave her a reason to get out of the house. And that was really perfect. That is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, it was really perfect. Um, And I really appreciated the people who put that together for her. And it was very, very nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the gift cards are nice, aren't they? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. I still have a huge stack, actually, <laughs> of different restaurants and things. It was funny. I uh, I was somewhere with Peter. We went to a soccer tournament, in, like in the fall. And I went to – I can't remember if we went to Applebee's or Chili's. I don't know which one it was. But it comes time to pay, and I whip out a gift card. Well, I gave him the wrong gift card. I think it was – you know I gave him the Applebee's <laughs> gift card, and it was Chili's. And he's like – um oh, ma'am, this is not Applebee's, it's Chili's. And I was like, oh, just hang on a second. And I whipped through my stack that is like literally still over an inch thick and I pull out the correct gift card. She was like, okay. That's like, funny. this is a weird lady to have that many gift cards. But but it is handy and it's nice because I, I just couldn't get myself to cook. Even think about planning a meal was just too much and... So having some of those things, um, people just anticipate that it was really, really nice. Yeah, definitely.
2: And then um, one of the things that we we also did after Alec passed away, um, we talked to, a, because there's, we only have two kids. And so Annalie's by herself now and they're really close in age. They're only two years apart in age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they're just used to being with each other all the time. So we talked to a bunch of his buddies about, you know, sort of being her surrogate little brother. And like, even though they didn't hang out together, like his friends didn't really hang out with her. Um, I, I encourage them to, you know, come around and check in on her. And um, we've had a couple of get togethers, which it seems like to me, thinking about it, from somebody else's perspective, it seems sort of odd, but we've had get togethers where a bunch of Alec's friends have come over and hung out and done silly stuff with Annalie. And they have been some of the most joyful moments that we've had since Alec passed away. Um, The boys have come over and they've done things like made slime and played ping pong and, They did tie dye t-shirts and they've just hung out and spent time with Alec's sister and each other. And it's been, um, we've done that a few times and it's just been really, really joyful. Um, And I think people can talk, they can talk about Alec a little bit and just been really, really nice. Well,
1: because that's what we really want, right? We really want our children to be remembered. So if they can feel like this is a good space uh, to be able to talk about him, that's
2: nice. Yeah. I'm sure they don't feel that way everywhere. Yeah. It's been really, really nice. So I think we'll keep doing that.
1: Yeah. And hopefully that keeps going for you. It's, it's hard to know, you know, as mm-hmm. things change and kids get bigger, um, what's going to happen. Yeah. But how is uh, Alec's sister doing then?
2: Well, you know, she's, um, it's her junior year in high school. And um,
1: that's a stressful
2: year anyway. Yeah. So, you know, she, um, she was um, really working towards um, doing really well on her PSATs. And the PSATs were literally the week after Alec died. Um, And, yeah, and she had been studying for them for like, a year or more. Um, and she ended up not taking the PSAT. Um, then there was a makeup two weeks later and she took it, which I was super impressed that she was able to do that. And she did really well, not as well as she had wanted, but I think it's a huge accomplishment. Uh Um, she, um, you know, she took a, a few weeks off of school and went back, and she has been doing really well in school. And I'm super proud of her for being able to do that because it's definitely very difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Well, she- and it's it's really challenging to be the, that kid. Yeah. That kid whose brother died. Yeah. Right. I mean,
2: that's yeah. just
1: the way she she's known now, and that is hard.
2: Yep. But she also has, um, she has definite goals with school, and she she wants to be a mechanical engineer. And she's like, I can't just give up. I have to figure out how to still make it happen. And she's looking forward to being done with high school and figuring out where she's going to go to college. And so she's still focused on the things she needs to be doing, which is good. But it's also just... So hard. This is only the second house. The house we live in now is only the second house that the kids had ever lived in. In both houses, their bedrooms were situated right across from each other, right across the hallway. And Mm -hmm. so for her whole life, since the time she was two, they've slept, even though they were in their own rooms, they are probably 10 feet away from each other every night and had been away from each other. You know, when Alec went to wrestling camp at Fresno State this summer, or when she went to... Washington, D.C. in eighth grade, you know, for like four or five days at a time. But for the most part, right there. I mean, like they could throw stuff at each other from their beds, you know, (laughs) through their doors. (laughs) Yeah. And I think she definitely feels how quiet it is. And the absence of him, you know, he had a big personality and a big presence. And it's just I know she's definitely feeling it.
1: Yeah, Andy did, too. It just doesn't feel the same, especially when you have somebody with such a big personality and so much emotion and so much like joy. Really, to have that just missing, it's just hard to go on as a family. You just
2: don't feel like this at all—the same family as you used to be. No, you don't, uh, and it's really sad. You know, it's yeah, because really you're sad. mourning
1: more than your child. You're more. I. I know. I'm more in my child. I'm more in what my family was. I'm more in what I used to be. I mean, I'm not the same person I used to be. I. My kids are not the same as they used to be, and that kind of breaks your heart too to see them, not as joyful and not the same people, um, that you had brought up to that point. So, there are just a lot of challenges.
2: There definitely are, and Alec was definitely full of life. And I, I don't even know. It's hard to explain sometimes, but, um, an example that popped into my head is one of, one of his football games from this season. He, he scored a touchdown, which wasn't, he, he was really a defensive player most of the time, but he, Mm -hmm. he got to do some different things this year and he scored a touchdown and he was so joyful that he, he, and it wasn't, like, a celebration like the guys in the NFL do, like, where they're all smooth and slick and they practice something. Like, he was bouncing up and down like you thought he was going to fly away. It was just pure, unadulterated joy, right? And he was just, like, bouncing up and down, you know? And and that's just how he was, right? Like, um, So that's a good example. And he was like that at home too, like hot and cold, you know, if he was really upset, everybody knew. And if he was really happy, everybody knew. And yeah, it changes the whole, the whole dynamic of the family for sure. And, and mourning, mourning what the family was, but also mourning what we thought the family was going to be, right? Exactly. looking forward to him going to high school and playing football in high school and wrestling in high school. And he wanted to go to Cornell and wrestle. And, you know, he had these big goals. And and with kids that are that busy with sports, I mean, so much of our life was organized around getting him to his practices. And every weekend was a wrestling tournament. All fall before he died, he had football on Saturdays and wrestling pre-season wrestling tournaments on Sundays. And it was just go, go, go all of the time. And now all of a sudden it's not that we don't do things with our daughter, but she's 16 and she has her driver's license and she's in high school and it's not the same. Right. And so we're, no, it's not the same at all. Yeah. We're just all of a sudden shoved into this. We don't know what to do with ourselves. Uh, Well, and I know
1: that is frustrating for me because I then am around other families and they are always complaining about all of their busyness and having to rush kids off to do this that and the other thing and I just I mean I don't say it but I want to say do you know how much I wish I could do that again yeah because that is what my life used to be like I Mm -hmm. was rushing from one thing to another trying to get boys to practices and all this stuff and then it just stops right it's just like I wish I could be busy like that again
2: yeah and my husband really remembers going to and from wrestling practice in particular seemed to be a time that he and al talked about things they had a thing that they did which was what made you smile today and they both had to say something that made them smile that day and they mm. did that in the car on the way home or on the way to wrestling practice and so Just a lot of good time associated with sporting events. And then there's a lot of wrestling tournaments that are in Fresno, which is a good drive from us, probably four hours. And so, you know, to and from these tournaments, it was a lot of time together in the car and he misses that. And yeah, there's just a lot of open time. We've been building fences in our backyard (laughs) to try and fill the time. (laughs)
1: Right. Cause you have to try to fill it with something because otherwise you are just sitting
2: around too much. Like you learned over the holidays, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we're spending some time thinking about and trying to figure out what fills our time on a go forward basis. We've thought some about putting together a nonprofit to fund youth athletics because we think that Alex's life really worked for him because of his athletics. And even though he became pretty successful at it, the success wasn't to us what was super important. What was super important was the physical activity for him, the learning how to get along with other kids, the learning how to be coachable, all of those things that we felt like were turning him into a good human. And we want to be able to give that to other kids too. But I'm not very far along down that path yet. I'd like to figure out how to do that, but we haven't quite gotten there. But that's in our mind that that's what we want to do. Well, you we are still do. so,
1: so early, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I have definitely found that when I've spoken to different moms and dads about this, that it is nice if you can get a little bit of purpose for your grief and somewhere to kind of focus it a little because otherwise it can feel just overwhelming and you can just feel like you're drowning in the grief. Um, yeah, I know for me, it was the podcast really did. When I started to be able to focus on that, it, it gave my grief a place to go. And I knew that I would have certain times that I could just just work on my grief and just miss Andy and talk about Andy. And then it would free other parts of my day and life to Mm -hmm. be able to do other things. And um, at first, it just didn't seem like that was like fair. Like I thought I should be sad every second of every Minute of every hour of every day, right? I should just always have this overwhelming sadness because if I didn't, it means I didn't love him enough or something. But that's just not true at all. It's not how Andy would want me to be. And it just ends up taking away from other people that you love and from the rest of your life. You just, it's not a way to live.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely, um, I feel what you're saying about not, not wanting to feel like things are okay. You know, you feel mm-hmm. bad if, if you go and do something fun, people keep saying, well, you should go on vacation. You should get out of town. And I'm like, but we don't want to, No, <laughs> you know, we no, don't, right. don't want to go on vacation without him. We don't, it's so hard. It's so hard to figure out what the right thing to do is. Um, we even went for And, a, and that we went, the
1: vacation thing I think is super hard. We haven't done that yet. And, You know, my daughter's a senior, so it's her last – it's our last, like, spring break vacation Mm -hmm. when she has spring break with us. And I feel like we need to make this a really nice spring break vacation. And I honestly just want somebody else to plan it (laughs) because I used to do that. I used to spend hours doing it, finding the right place to stay, the right flights, the right – you know, I'd rent a house or something so that – because – so we'd have enough beds for all of us. And I just – it's just too hard to even think about doing right now. It's just overwhelming, but I still want to do something special for her. (laughs) I just don't want to actually plan it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it is sort of overwhelming. And we, we even went and we just, one day we were like, okay, we need to get out of the house and let's go for a drive. And we drove to a campground that's like an hour away from here. And well, it was really nice. And the campground was beautiful. And it was empty because it's the middle of winter. <laughs> so we yeah. weren't dealing with throngs of people. And I mean, we didn't stay overnight or anything. We were just visiting. But we definitely felt, you know, missing Alec. Like normally, like the second we stopped, if we did something like that, he would have been like bouncing out of the car and throwing rocks. And, and uh, on our way up there, my daughter asked me, did you bring any snacks? And I was like, no, I didn't think we needed them. Because like, it was always Alec who ate all the snacks. Like we were just going for an hour drive, but he would have been hungry, you know? And she was like, you don't bring snacks for me. I'm like, I don't know. I, I always just thought it was Alec who would eat them all. I don't know. So we well, I know you said him. that when
1: you uh, went grocery shopping, it was like seventy-five percent of the food was for him, and he was only twenty-five percent of your family. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah,
2: totally. Yeah, uh, grocery shopping has been super, super weird since he's been gone because, um, yeah, we don't eat as much—not nearly as much—and and and things that I didn't even know. You know, you buy stuff and you put it in the fridge, and I guess I don't necessarily know who ate everything, right? Well, right. Apparently, he drank all the milk because. The milk just sits there now. <laughs> like nobody <laughs> drinks it. It was all him. I don't, you know, and I don't know why I didn't know that, but I didn't know that. So, yeah, I,
1: I know. I have thrown away some things recently and like this has been in the freezer now for a year. Probably no one's going to eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this would have been something Andy would have eaten, obviously, but yeah, just probably better throw it out.
2: That's hard but too. That's hard to like be- when there's mm-hmm. stuff in the pantry or in the freezer that you know was really there for him. Uh you know and you're like I don't really want to throw it away because I'm never going to buy it again and it's like little pieces of him you know leaving one little bit at a time I find that Uh hard yeah and Alec definitely had a lot of things that he ate that the rest of us were like yeah no you know he had all this weird like quinoa mixtures of stuff that he would eat (laughs) and like (laughs) I don't know like certain kind of protein collagen stuff that none of us are going to eat. And it's all sitting there in the pantry and I don't know what to do with it, but I guess eventually we'll get rid of it. That's
1: there's no rush though. Yeah. That's like every once in a while. I I say, okay, I think today's the day that I'm going to be able to do Andy's laundry because Andy's laundry is still in his laundry basket and I should wash it. I know because Peter could actually wear it now, but, um, but i can't because i will go up in there and i will take it out and it still smells like dirty boy a year yeah. and a half later and and if i can still smell him even the dirty him that i used to say you need to go take a shower it's it's comforting to me somehow
2: yeah, I definitely had a laundry thing with with Alec too. He, the day before his crash, where he was killed, um, I had he was at a wrestling tournament, and he, my husband and, and Alec had gone, and I was home, and nobody else. Emily was off doing something too, and I was here by myself, and so I had gathered up all of his laundry, and I had gotten through five loads, but there was a sixth one left that didn't get done. Uh And, um, and so that was actually sitting in the laundry room and it sat there in the laundry room for months. I mean, I think I just did Uh it over Christmas. So it sat there for, you know, three months. Um, the same thing. Didn't really want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. But then... Other stuff started getting, because it was in the laundry room, other stuff started getting mixed in with it, you know?
0: And eventually it was
2: just like, I am just going to dump it in and do it. And I just unceremoniously one day, even though I had been not doing it on purpose, I just did it.
1: Yeah. Well, there were a few things that, because a girlfriend of mine said, why don't you do, just do one thing at a time? So that's what I was doing for a little while. I just would do one thing because I just knew that, you know, the next time i do it it'll be the last time yeah and so that's why I've just not wanted to do it because I haven't wanted to do the last time so I did that for a little while um but then I quit even doing that so yeah there were a couple things that the boys had matching shirts you know that they were the same and Peter had outgrown his and Andy's was in the laundry and that then I thought well I should wash that so Peter can have that because that's always what we did, right? I'd buy two mm-hmm. of stuff and Peter loved the fact that I would buy two of things because then he got to wear it forever because when, right. when, when he grew out of it, there was always the next bigger size just waiting for him. So so that's been a challenging thing too. Now, now you know, that isn't the case anymore. I have to buy clothes for him now that Andy never wore, so...
2: Yeah. I find that, um, when I walk into stores, I'm, you know, looking in the, well, Alec wore men's sizes. And so I'll walk by the men's section and be thinking about, Oh, Alec would like that, you know, like I should go Mm -hmm. look at that. And I'm like, Oh, I don't need to look at it anymore. It's very weird. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very weird. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how
1: those thoughts still come to you. Like way, way later, like Mm -hmm. the other day, um, Eric went just to set the table and I, I somehow told him to set it for six. I have not had to set the table for six people in a year and a half. And mm-hmm. yet when he put five on there, I was like, no, no, everyone's here. And like, no, everyone's not here. Andy's not here. Cause I mean, usually like our foster son is still here, Valeriano, and he's oftentimes working and Catherine's working. And so, you know, we have anywhere from three to five people, at dinner and it's, and sometimes Eric's working, sometimes it's just Peter and I eating. So it's variable (laughs) how many people are there, but it has not been six in a year and a half almost. And yet I totally messed up and said to put six spots down. So it's just those little glitches that you feel like, I mean, you just were in such a mindset for such a long time. So looking at that close, you've been used to doing that. So to just suddenly quit Yeah, you just can't do. So are there any other things that you really wanted to make sure to say today that you wanted to tell people about?
2: Well, I was thinking about the day of the accident um, and there were just a few other things that I wanted to share with you. So mm-hmm. when Alec was hit, he didn't have a heartbeat and he wasn't breathing and the driver left the scene and there were several people from the school who had dropped their kids off and were on their way to work who saw that the accident had happened. And in particular, there was a couple that saw the accident happen and they called 911 and and were there with Alec. And then two other mothers who stopped were nurses, and mm-hmm. they performed CPR until the emergency medical responders got there. And I just wanted to sort of recognize the people that stopped and helped Alec. Even though it didn't have the outcome that we wanted, I'm so thankful to the people who stopped and were there with him. Um, and I will remember that and appreciate it forever because... People that knew him and cared about him were there with him. So I really appreciate that.
1: Nice to be able to have that little bit of comfort that he didn't really die alone then.
2: Yeah. And then this is totally switching directions. um, in a little bit of a weird place to go from where we were just at. But there was one other story that I wanted to share about Alec Mm -hmm. just sort of saying who he was. It was probably 2 years ago. Both of my parents are deceased, so we got invited to go in their place to one of their good friends 50th wedding anniversary. There weren't a lot of kids there, but we asked if we could bring our kids because we always called ourselves a four pack and just sort of said, "Hey, we go everywhere together, so we'd like to bring them." So, they said, "Yes, that's fine." And so we were there and it was it's somebody's 50th wedding anniversary. It was a bunch of older people, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. And and Alec and I were sitting next to each other at the dinner and, and he says, mom, that guy over there, he's dressed so nice. Who is he? And what does he do? And I was like, well, that's Dr. Di Tomasi. And he is a retired oral surgeon. And he was like,
0: oh my gosh,
2: how do you get to become an oral surgeon? And he was like all about it. And and he was like, after we're done eating, I'm going to go talk to him. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, this guy over here, what does he do? And I was like, I actually don't know what he does, but his son is a pilot in the military. And he was like, oh my gosh. And he was just like so excited. And so he like gobbled down his food and he, I could just see him, you know, as a salesperson or a prosecutor or a politician or something because He's maybe had just turned 12 at the time, or he was about to turn 12, something like that. And he just went around and he worked that room. He shook hands and he (laughs) asked about how they got where they got in their career. And he asked about what their kids did for a living. And he was like, Oh, that's so interesting. How did you decide to go to medical school? And, you know, and how did your son get into the military? And how did he become a pilot? And what does he do now? And that's so fascinating. And just, genuinely interested in what all of these guys had to say. And they just were, you know, he charmed off of of everybody in the room, you know, and they were all my dad's friends. So it was just a really nice, I'm sure, you know, they saw pieces of my dad and him and it was a really nice evening, but it sort of was the first time Lewis and I had seen Alec interact with adults that way. And we were like, Whoa, you know, this kid has this way of just charming people and talking to people and being genuinely interested. And yeah, it was a good night. Oh, well, that's
1: great. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing Alec with us and talking to me
2: today. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed talking with you too. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy@andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage andysmom.com for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.